Well, come on, let's get in the Word of God today. We've been in this series, Honorable. I hope you've been blessed by it. I hope uh, you just keep tracking with this because I believe there are so many things of favor that some believers don't walk into in their life because they lack the understanding of honor. And I love this series called Honorable. Honorable. And I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. Now, Pastor Kerry kicked this off. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Let's go here for a moment. The main scripture that we're using to overarch this whole, whole series. It says, honor. Let's, let's put it up on the screen. It's a short verse. We can all read it out loud together. Come on, let's do it. Join me. Ready? Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear. Honor. That's what the Lord says, honor all people. I, I'm, Pastor Kerry, he dealt with honor all people. I really, that was a great word, Pastor Kerry. That's a great word, great word, great teaching. And I got blessed by it. I, I wanna read it from another translation, the New Living Translation. And I, I like what it says. It says, respect everyone, love the family of believers. So we're not talking about the context of people who don't know God. So stop expecting people who don't not, do not know Christ to behave like Christ. See, I think sometimes we impose on them and get almost angry at them when they don't know any better. But I should expect that if I'm going to claim I'm a follower of Jesus, I ought to strive to act like him. But sometimes I don't act like him so I need you to act like him for me when I don't please you and I hurt your feelings. That's so good, Brother Sam. So good. Respect everyone. Respect everyone. And I want to talk about this. How do you love the brotherhood? How do you love people? That means your parents, if they're Jesus followers, sometimes you're not going to like them. How can you love your parent? How can you love your spouse? How can you love your sibling? They're a follower of Jesus. Man, you're waiting for them to get to heaven so God can fix that personality and attitude. You know, he is going to fix that in you too when you get to heaven. Do you know that? He's even going to redeem our stinky attitudes as Christians. Did you know that? He redeems all that. So the people you say, I don't know if I could live by them next door to get to heaven. Just wait. You ought to see what they're going to be like when you get there. Right. Including you. So if you don't like me, just wait, just wait. You're going to like me when you get there. I promise. Somebody say amen. amen. So what does it mean to honor? Let's just give this in just a little bite size. What does it mean to honor? The simplest way I can probably say it is to give high respect to revere. To give high respect and revere. To, if I could put it another way, is placing value on someone. To treat someone as common is to devalue them. To understand that they're created in the image of God and therefore I can respect that part of what God's image is in them is to place them in high value and honor. So this, and some people think like, 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 like Pastor Kerry said, I said, it's almost like some people feel like, well, does it mean we treat like a doormat and we just let everybody slide and we don't ever talk about things that are contrary to the word of God? No, 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 no. I love what he said. You can disagree with someone and you can even debate someone without devaluing someone. So don't forget it. 
Because I know that in this, in this culture right now, it's real hip and trendy that if I don't acquiesce to you and agree with everything that you say and believe everything you say and let everything slide, that somehow I love you if I agree with you and I don't love you if I disagree with you, so therefore you think it's dishonor. Let me ask you something. If a doctor gives you a prescription and you know it's going to be painful to your body in order to get healed to get that, because he put pain in your body, do you think he disrespects you or do you think he honors you because he's trying to preserve your life? I'm just saying. I've just been thinking about that. So that means you can actually give someone value by speaking and disagreeing with them because you come all from different political persuasions, every, every socioeconomic level, but I'm telling you, you can actually honor people. And does that mean that I gotta spend all my time with some people? No, I'm just gonna tell you, there's some believers I don't spend much time with. There is a reason why Jesus had the crowd and he had the 70 and he had the 70, you know, and he had the, he had the 12 and he had the three and he had the one. There are boundaries that you can put in place. Did you know that? I don't know why some Christians believe that because you're Jesus follower, that means that you got to spend the rest of your time with someone that can just grate your nerves and God's got to heal them when they get to heaven with their attitude. Jesus put boundaries. I'm a Jesus follower. Why can't I put boundaries? Have you ever noticed that Jesus only spent his time with two kinds of people? Have you ever noticed this? Look where he managed his time. Look at his time management and look what he did relationships. Look how he managed it. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being cruel. Jesus just understood that he only spent his time with two kinds of people. Those that received his ministry and those that ministered to him. People that received it and those that ministered to him is where he spent the most value of his time. He talked with Pharisees. He talked with Sadducees. But he knew where the boundaries were with some people. How many believe if Jesus taught it, we ought to understand it and not think that someone's being mean or cruel. In fact, it may help me love you more when we put boundaries in and are clear about them. That's a whole other message. But what is honor? Honor is treating others with dignity because they are created in the image of God. That I can see them in the image of God. I walk around people that are so far away from God living lifestyles. I'm shaking my head, scratching my head thinking, but there's something about them, the image of God in them that draws me to love and honor and respect what God has created in them in his image. And to somehow reach them because you give dignity to what is right about them in the image of God. Can somebody say amen to that? So how many of you want to, how many of you want to be honored? Okay, how many want to be honored? I want to be honored. I want to be honored. How many want to be honorable people? Okay, I love the title of this because it talks about honorable, but listen, just look at the word honorable for a moment. If you want to be honorable, you must be able to honor. Do you have the capacity to honor people, especially in the household of faith? especially believers. Now, here's what people say. Well, I I treated them right. They didn't treat me back. I've discovered something about when you honor somebody. Just because you honor a person, honor is not guaranteed to come back to you from that person. I think some believers stop honoring people because the person they showed honor and value to didn't reciprocate and show them the same type of honor back. So they stop and they cease. 
And then we start playing the game is, I'll only honor you if I've got a string attached and I make sure I get it back from you. So if I do send you a gift or a gift card, if you didn't send me a thank you note back, which is a kind thing to do, but if you didn't send me a thank you note back, then somehow I'm not gonna do it again because you didn't honor me back. Are you able to honor, because here's what I've understood. One thing, I love this scripture, Ephesians 6, 8. It says, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. Who's supposed to pay us back the honor? Listen, there are people I've paid for their light bill and they never said thank you. There are people I have prayed for who have been healed and never said thank you. There are people that have received ministry from you and they never said thank you to you. Here's the deal. Just like God said to the, just like Jesus said to the Pharisees, said, he says, the only reason you give a gift and you start blowing a little trumpet to say, I'm giving a gift to this person and they start praying out loud. He said, it's because you seek the honor of men and women in this time. And he says, here's what happens. If you're waiting for someone to finally give you a plaque for all the money you gave and they didn't recognize you, God says, that is your reward on heaven. There is no reward in eternity because you wanted it here and you wanted everybody to pay attention to it. You wanted everybody to tell you how pretty you looked. You wanted everybody to tell you how wonderful your casserole was better than your sister-in-law's casserole. You're waiting all that. He says, all of that, it's done right here. He says, those Pharisees got their reward, their honor, right? That's not even my notes. I don't know why I'm talking about this. But he says, that's your honor. You don't get any when you get before him. I want to tell people thank you, but if you're waiting for a note from me, or why didn't you recognize what I did? Did you, did you hear my song I sung? You didn't say thank you. He says, you get your reward and it's here on earth and that's it. You will never get it when you stand before God. You never get it. So he said, here's what I want you to know. It's those people who said, God, if I get it, that's no big deal. That's not why I did it because here's why, the reason I did it. Remember, the Lord will reward each of us for whatever good we, we have done. So what does that mean? That means I don't expect Pastor Taylor to reward me. I don't expect anybody in this church to reward me. It's nice when you say thank you. It's nice when you recognize it. But the ultimate thing is, is God is the one who I want to reward me when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Did you see all this that's been stored up here? Nobody may have recognized that you prayed for him. Nobody may have recognized that you fasted. No one may have recognized the dollar you gave to that missionary because everybody else was talking about the one who gave the $10,000. But I remember your reward. Enter into the joy of the Lord and your reward. How many want him to be the one that rewards you? So just remember that because we always as humans want that strength. And we do because thankfulness is an attribute of God and that should be there. But somehow it starts being, if I don't hear it back, I'll never do it again. That's good preaching, Pastor Sam. I have to say that to myself because sometimes I'm not sure if, if y'all are. I, I, I need it. I'm just trying to say here, thank you. Say, so, never, never mind, I'll get it from the Lord, amen. <laughs> so here's what you gotta understand, folks. Here's the deal. Listen to this. You don't always reap where you sow. I quit trying to reap where I sow. Well, I did that over here and, I, and that missionary never said thank you. And I, I, you don't reap where you sow, you reap because you sow. All I know is there is a harvest waiting on the other end. It is guaranteed by God. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what in context, I don't know what volume it is, but I know I'm going to reap because I've done it before the Lord and he's the one that will always repay. Come on, you're gonna honor, honor because he's the one that pays you not because you need it back from that person.
Oh, my, 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 my. So how are we able to honor, how are we able to honor among the family of God when he says, love all people, honor all people, and love the family of God? How do I love the brotherhood, the sisterhood? How do I honor it? So let me give you a couple things. Ready? Come on. Let's go on a journey here and grab your notes, get your app out, and let's start writing. Here we go. Number one, first thing you do is prize one another as believers. Accept each other and prize each other as Jesus followers in Christ. Prize each other. They may be a Republican, prize them. They may be a Democrat, prize them. They're still struggling with pot, prize them. They still have a rotten attitude, prize them. Doesn't mean you don't deal with it, doesn't mean you don't have conversations. Doesn't mean that you don't, but don't devalue them. Prize them as someone creating the image of God that God sees and I will never be finished with. I'm gonna do a work in them. Prize them. Look what Romans 15, seven says. Accept one another. Everybody say that out loud with me. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Think about that. The sinless son of God accepted Sam Reifkogel with all of my sins and he said, Sam, I know your story. I know everybody's story in here and none of them have told their whole testimony because I'm the only one that really knows the whole thing. There's still stuff they don't want to unearth. But he said, I accepted them and he said, I washed away their sin and I accepted them and I loved them. He said, do the same thing. While I'm working on you, you let me work on them, love them and accept them. What does that mean? That means sometimes, folks, we disconnect in the body of Christ I know there are denominations, people have particular places of, of, of doctrinal issues in the Bible and they interpret it different. I get that, I understand that. There may be different styles. I understand all that, I get it. But I'm gonna tell you the body of Christ has become the most divisive body of Christ because we no longer prize and value each other on the journey Jesus has taken us on. Value the God-given difference and uniqueness we all have. Your brother, literally at your home, your sister at your home, your parents at your home may not be like you, but you value and you prize the difference God has made in them. The gift that is God, God has put in them. They're unique. Everybody's unique. You say they're odd. They're weird. No, they're unique. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with... So it is with the body of Christ. Just think about that for a moment. So many different, just like the body of Christ, but he says, this is what makes you so incredibly unique. So how can you tell when you've accepted someone? How can you really tell that when you've accepted someone in your small group? How can you really tell when you've accepted someone in your own family that's a Jesus follower that you just cannot stand something about them? How do you know you've accepted them? Here it is, you ready? When you have stopped insisting that they be just like you. You be the witness. When God invites the conversation and creates the conversation, that you don't, you have the conversation when he opens that door. Don't force the door, you let him open that door. Because that's when their heart's gonna be ready. He's working on them, promise you. But in the meantime, prize one another. Now, you know how you prize one another? You say, well, I don't know what to do. I, I, how can I prize them? Prize one another by praising one another. Prize them by praising them. Well, I, 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 I can't stand them. 
I don't, I, don't, I don't like their breath. I don't like their clothes. I don't like the way they smirk. I don't like it. I just, I, I'm, you're, you're, you've got the word in odds. You're, you're, you're already thinking because the scowl's on their face. It's simply because they don't like you. Maybe they're dealing with some sickness in their body and pain. And that's the expression that's coming through. But you've interpreted it personally about you. Now I just begin to the place, man, when I see people's expressions, you don't know what's going on behind it, the private pain and what they're going through. You just don't know. It isn't always about you. Did you see Pastor preach? He looked right at me when he said that. You know why you're laughing? Because you thought it. I cannot tell you the people that said, you looked right at me when you said that. And I know you're thinking about, you really going to make this all about you? Y'all didn't know I had the word of knowledge either, did you? Y'all just didn't know I had that, right? Appreciate one another. How do I prize somebody? By praising them. There's something that's about them. Look, if they're in church today, you want to prize them and say, you know what it meant to me to see you in the house of God with his people and just to see there, not just go, you know what? They didn't lift their hands. I tell you, I think God's dealing with them. I think he just sat there and folded his arms a whole time. No, you don't know what God's folding his arms. Maybe he's got a stomach ache and it's the only way that he can get comfort this morning. Let God work on them, but prize them. Well, I can't find nothing good to say. Their clothes are terrible. Just look at them. Just say, hey. Those are nice shoes. They look like they both fit. I mean, say something. Seriously. The body of Christ needs to start talking about what's right instead of always what's wrong with each other. I cannot tell you how it unnerves me to look on Facebook and find people squabbling over the foolish things in the body of Christ and totally forget Jesus and leave people in the aftermath. And I'm tell you, I'm just as guilty sometimes as anybody about doing that. But start prizing one another. Start rejoicing over each other. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. I love this. It says, but we, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Now, this is talking about those who teach and preach, but that's not just the context of those who teach and preach. It's, that's the body of Christ. How do I love the brotherhood? Stop complaining and picking on them and start praising them. I've discovered that they'll listen to the real issues they're dealing with if most of the time you're spending talking about the right things that are in their life and say, that's really good. What does appreciation mean? How many hope that, uh, how many you hope that the, uh, the house you bought will appreciate in value? Mm -hmm. I hope so. I hope it goes through the roof and I can sell it. Bless somebody, bless my family. You want things to appreciate? Don't you wish your car would appreciate? <laughs> if only we didn't live in all this salt, you know? If only we didn't have all this salt. Well, you know, our cars would last a little longer. But what does it mean to appreciate somebody? It means to raise the value. To raise the value because somebody wants it. Some, there's something about it that raises the value. I'm gonna come back and circle around that. So I, I got an idea. If, if, you're, if, if your marriage is fighting right now and you're bickering, I know there's some real issues that you need to have talked about 
And maybe the best person to talk about them is not you, but to bring someone in there in the middle that's spiritually God-led that will help you each navigate that and not hide it anymore, but really bring it to a marriage mentor or someone who's a godly, spirit-filled counselor to help them mentor and help walk you through these things. But in the meantime, until you get to that place, why don't you find all the things that you married him good about? Why don't you look at all those things that you saw about her when you got married and just start prizing them? You watch the value start rising in your, the, the appreciation and you're going to start seeing, man, I, 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 I really did marry a knockout. My goodness, I really did marry the most wonderful woman in the world. Man, he really is a great man of God. I'm telling you, God's working on him. I know he's got things, but man, he really is a great provider. Start talking about that. You want me to, you, you want the ministry, you want the people in ministry here to feel good? Talk about the right things in their life and appreciate them and raise their value. Go find, go find one of the students. Go look at someone that's off to the side by themselves and start raising their value and appreciate who they are and say, man, why don't you join our small group. We'd love to have you a part of that. Start showing the value of who they are. You want your kids to feel great? Don't pick on them because they're not like the other sibling. Start talking about the values and the giftings and say, man, I just see the gift of God all over you. Watch your kids just surface and rise. You want to see our nation rise? Quit talking about how bad it is because there are bad things we got to talk about, but start talking about the good things and the righteous things and start elevating, start praying for people in the right places. Start seeing the value rise up. Talk to your boss. Your boss, I know he's horrible, but go in one time and he's been horrible to you, but go find the one good thing about her or her and tell him, you know what? I so appreciate about this. And just watch, just watch what happens. After they pick themselves up off the floor after having a cardiac arrest, things are going to start changing because of your compliment. He says, raise the value, especially in the body of Christ by not picking, but actually giving and prizing what is right and genuine. Come on, I'm going, to pre- I'm going to appreciate this church. I appreciate this church. I'm telling you, the value of this church in my eyes just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. The value of it just goes up. Can, can I just sit here and compliment y'all for a minute? Y'all are the most generous people that I have walked around on this planet Earth. Did you know that? I've watched your generosity, every single last one of you. Generous to God. What can I do next for the kingdom of God? Can I tell you, I appreciate the worship that comes off this worship team every single time. Not just here, but in the youth ministries and all the other ministries, the worship that comes out. I want to tell you, every one of the volunteers, let me tell you, they love you all. They get up early. They get here. They're ready to come serve God. They go change your kid's diaper with great joy. They're in there working with Pastor Troy right now, loving your kids. Can I tell you how much, can I tell you the youth leaders that get up and mentor your kids? Can can I tell you that I appreciate every one of you that hosts a small group, how you get up and you know that you just got to host and you got to, you got to just kind of gather people together. Can I tell you how God values you and how we value in this church? Can I thank every one of you for the way that you've sent missionaries. I don't know how many million, what, what, what was the missions given this year? Uh, 1.5. $1.5 million. You all said, we'll just give it away and help somebody. Can I tell you, you are generous people. City serve. I, we, we may never get a thank you from another church. We may never see anybody say thank you when you bring them a sofa or a couch or a pressure washer or baby clothes. But I, can I tell you how I appreciate you bringing City Serve to bless every church that would possibly want to be in serving evangelism and bless people because you did that? Can I tell you that you are the grace? Can I tell you how much I appreciate how you are tolerant when styles begin to change in worship? But you are looking for the meat. Is that about Jesus? If it's about Jesus, I don't care. I'm going to appreciate 
appreciate and value him, not appreciate the rhythm, not appreciate the style. I'm going to appreciate and raise the value. And you start worshiping God and engage it. Can I tell you how grateful I am that you put up with Sam Reifkogel? I know I've got my quirks, but I so appreciate you still hanging out with me and still think I got some good for the kingdom of God. You are an incredible congregation, Grand Rapids First, and I want you to know it. You are an awesome group of people that I want to walk the rest of my life with. You're amazing people. I could go on, but we would be here for the next couple of weeks. And you get the big head and then God have to humble you. So I got to move on. Prize one another. Everybody say prize one another. You know how you can love the brotherhood? You really want to love the family of God? You just don't prize one another. You perfect one another. In fact, the Bible calls it provoking each other, provoking each other to good works, not nagging each other, but you get so inspired for what you want to do for other people in this church that it's not about you, it's not about your agenda, not if someone says thank you, not if someone puts you on the pedestal, you just want people to be more like Jesus. In fact, that's our mission statement, bringing people to Christ and equipping them to be like him. It's not bringing people to Christ and everybody see how wonderful a leader I am. Payday's coming for all of us. And if you want it here, that's all you get. You'll get nothing there. That's what Pharisee Sadducee said. They've got their reward is what he said. That's what he said. They got their reward. It means that's their reward. If they make it, they'll never be rewarded for this. Wow. How did I get on that? That wasn't even my notes. Shall we blame the Holy Spirit? Hey, that worked. I'm going to blame everything on him when I mess up. Amen. Perfect one another. That's one of our, if, you have, if you've been here and you haven't gone to our grow class, there's one, is there one right after the service? Okay, there's a grow class right there. See that grow this way? You go there. If you want to know more about how do I grow? How do I, how do I perfect other people? That's why our acronym is G-R-O-W. Growing in Christ, relating to others, outreach to the world, and worshiping God. Get that inside your spirit. Because part of what we do is to perfect one another. Look at Colossians 3.16. Let's check it out. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness, fill your lives. Now watch this. This is your contribution here. This is what God, this is the value God sees you. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Not all the wisdom of your personal opinion. Always divert back to what he teaches to be the follower of Jesus. Teach and counsel each other that means that I'm there. Counsel means to undergird, to comfort, to help, encourage when they feel like I'm failing, to teach and give direction because people are hungry to learn. He said, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. One of the greatest things we could ever do is to come together and worship God in this house. You're perfecting one another. So I mean, God means to teach and counsel. What does teaching mean? Listen, teaching is the impartation of positive truth of the word of God. It may appear negative, but in the outcome, just like surgery or medicine, it perfects and brings something better out of you. Can I just say this to some of you? Some of you are ready to build others with the wisdom that you've been taught in the word and with your life experience. God's waiting on some of you to step up and say, how can I be a part of perfecting others here? I want to talk to some of you that are mature saints that maybe you have stopped engaging, you have stopped engaging the perfecting of other people. God didn't just save you so you could live in the sweet by and by. God saved you 
and made you strong so you can teach others how to whip Satan in the nasty now and now. Teach them, encourage them. What do you got? What do you have in you? I'm going to encourage some of you that the Holy Spirit's been prompting you, so it's not just Pastor Sam, so this is just confirm it. He's been talking to you about hosting a small group. Just be a host. We'll get you the material. We'll give you just brief training. It's not easy. It's not rocket science. Just be nice and smile. Just invite, just, hey, we'll create a place for you. Get, get on the app right now. Just get on the app and go to resources, ministry resources. Go to small group. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a place to land. God's got something in you to give. Now, I know there's ages and stages of life where your life is a little busy, but find a way to perfect others. You know, it may not be in a small group. It may be God just laying on your heart, ma'am, that one lady that you know is struggling, that you can have coffee with once a week, 30 minutes, not an hour, not two hours, just 30 minutes to have a cup of coffee and say, how are you doing? Pray for her and just give her the counsel of God. It's not, it's not rocket science. Perfect one another. Some of you need to be intentional about getting in a small group. If you want to grow in the Lord, you can't do it by yourself. Life is not lived in a straight line with me talking to you. Life is lived in a circle. Get in that small group. Get intentional about getting in a group. Find it. Get on the app right now. Seriously, go get on and say, I need to be deliberate about being perfected and in that, not just receiving, but also what I have in my experience may be encouraging another person sitting in that group. See, when we, listen, when we do not deliberately place ourselves under sound teaching, listen, and good, she said, talks about the teaching of God. You got to put yourself under sound teaching. I love how some of you have been coming. You've been coming to church for years. Why? Because you desire sound teaching. When you get it, when you do not put yourself under sound teaching and sound doctrine, you will live life under wrong teaching. And there are too many, <laughs> there's a growing number of theologians not theologians, theologians in the body of Christ. Theologians are people that study God, how God, his character, his nature. There are too many theologians in the body of Christ. Too many believers are becoming spiritual. They're becoming uh, if I, biblical illiterates. And so now what they're doing is, is their personal experience and their feelings have created their own theology. Well, I don't feel God would ever do that. Well, I feel God would accept this. Well, I just think you're not loving enough and you just, you're just, you just need to get right because God loves everybody. And I feel, no, what does God's character and nature in his word say? And so now we got, I feel is the new, I feel is the new theology that is happening in the church of America. It's getting quiet in here. And like I say, folks don't talk much during surgery. What Sam Reifkogel feels, God is, I'm not saying my feelings don't matter to God because he's touched by the feelings of my infirmity. But at the end of the day, it's his word. Too many American Christians are theologians. And there's no sound theology. No biblical base for the experience. I like something C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis says, if you do not listen to theology, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. It will mean that you have a lot of wrong ones. So how do I perfect the body of Christ? 
I start saying, God, help me to grow in the word and not just to receive it, but to give it to somebody else, to serve somebody else. We need each other to grow each other. Can somebody say amen to that? I like what Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And when you're sharpening iron, how many know there's a little friction and sometimes there's a little heat, but when you come out, you're like a double-edged sword. Come on. That's what God is creating in the body of Christ. And that means sometimes friction occurs. And that's what happens to so many Christians. Why? I just feel like you're being critical. If I'm going to receive criticism, I don't receive criticism from people who have the ministry of criticism. How many ever walked around people in the body of Christ that have the, the, the spirit of yang yeah? You can never please them. Nothing, nothing makes them happy. I don't know how they were raised. Everything's just a complaint. Everything's critical analysis with never a solution or never a thanksgiving. Get around people that have pure criticism because their heart is pure and it's a helpful heart and you know they love you. They have praised you more than they have criticized you. I, oh boy, let me, uh, I gotta keep moving on here. Proverbs fifteen thirty one says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Let people help perfect you. The loving people. Verse 32 says, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. I love something Norman Vincent Peale said. He said, the trouble with most of us is we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Everybody gets a trophy. You're okay. No, you don't get a trophy today because you didn't practice. perfecting each other, growing them, praising them, and perfecting them. Praising and perfecting, praising and perfecting, praising and perfecting. How do we love the brotherhood? We love the brotherhood by perfecting one another. Can we say that? Perfect one another. Here's another one. Pardon one another. This is a big one. Please forgive me because if you hated the sermon up to this point, here's your point right here. Pardon one another. Just forgive me. Just forgive me. Look at, a four, look at Ephesians 4.31. It says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Boy, isn't it good to be forgiven? I mean, if people could know that Jesus forgave them if they would just accept it and come to him in faith, do you know people would be so liberated from all their sleepless nights? I like what the famed, the famed psychiatrist Carl Menninger, he said. He, he said this once. He says, if I could convince every patient in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were totally forgiven, he said 75% of them would walk out the next day. If I could convince them that their sins have been forgiven. Friends, how many thank God Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins and he gives us power to help forgive other people because we knew what shame we lived in. And guess what happens? Healing and wholeness comes to you when you forgive. As Christ forgave you, please know, you don't have to live in that constant condemnation and bondage over the past. He totally wiped it clean. You can walk out of that bondage today. But it also should prove to you that he gives you the same power to liberate people from the offense they brought against you just like he forgave the offense. And wholeness comes. Look what James 5.16 says. Confess to one another, therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be what? Healed and restored 
to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Oh my goodness. I like what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He says, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. That was the attitude of Jesus Christ. Why? A pastor, it doesn't mean that you don't have honest conversations with people. It doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries if they are repeat offenders. What it does mean is that you value what God created in his image and you release them as Christ released you. And that can be hard for some of you because you've been through so much. But you know what happens? You add value to that person because I promise you they are, they are questioning their own value anyway. But when you start to see that, you start seeing the value God had for you. Come on, tell your neighbor you're valuable. Do you know, listen, when it comes to honor, you know who really honored you? Was Jesus Christ himself when he died and was crucified and brutally beaten. He was honoring you when you didn't deserve it. I like what 1 Corinthians 7.23 says. He says, you were bought with a price. You want to talk about honor? You were bought with a price. Now, how do we value somebody? Just think about this as we get ready to close here. Value depends on what someone is willing to pay for it. I know I'm in Dutch country. I ain't gonna pay that. You just had a $50 steak and you put a buck on the table? What's the matter with you? How, how, what, what can we, what's the least we can get by? I don't think this person deserves 20%. Let's go 9.99%. And you've got to calculate it. <laughs> because you devalue the person that's serving you. Well, they just didn't do a good job. Well, how do you know that their spouse didn't leave them that day? So we're going to assume. So we're going to devalue them. We're going to bark orders out to them like, these are people of value. Yeah, but I'm the boss. But they're people of value. Show them what a real Jesus follower does. You can talk about the real issues, but show them value. Honorable. You want to be honored? Be able to honor. Because Jesus honored you. How you know what something is worth is what someone is willing to pay for it. And there's some of you that don't feel like you're any value because of what your spouse did, they left you, or what they said to you on the way to the service, what your parents said to you, or what a parent didn't do, or what a parent did do to you. And it's just a value, what a preacher said, or what a preacher said about you, what someone in a church did, what someone ripped you off, and you've devalued yourself, what someone did to abuse you. I'm not trying to make it trivial because it's very important, but you have set your value. But I want you to know something, that value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And Jesus said, you were bought with my own blood. That's the value of what I see in you. It's not just what somebody's willing to pay. Value is determined by who owns it. A basketball doesn't mean anything if you gave it to me and signed it Michael Daniels. <laughs> Great, thanks. But if I got another basketball signed by LeBron James, I'm gonna treat it just a little different than your basketball because of who owns it.
if you give me a tennis racket and it's your signature on it, Pastor Taylor, I'll use it to swat the flies and mosquitoes here in Michigan. But if on the handle there's a signature of who owned it, Serena Williams, and it was played in a match, I'm gonna put this in a prized place of value. And I'm so tired of Satan telling you, look at your life, look at your sin. If this man knew the sexual dysfunction of your past, he wouldn't let you in this door. I say the devil is a liar because Jesus paid the price and he's the one that says, when you give my, your life to me, I own you because you believe that I paid the highest price and you're valuable to me. I'm so tired of people being used like doormats because I don't perform enough and I don't do enough for God. Let me tell you, just stay in his presence and he'll work on all that stuff in your life. He'll perfect you and you hang out with us. Don't get mad at us because we're going to praise you more than we're going to perfect you. Because sometimes perfecting means iron's got to sharpen some iron. Problem with church in America is too many people leave when that happens. So they bounce from church to 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 church until they finally someone says, we're theologians here, so we'll just let you be whatever you want to be. But I sure hope if a doctor diagnoses me and he says, Sam, there's something we can do to cure you, but it's going to require pain. I say, I'm going to go to another doctor. Just tell me what I want to hear. Or do I want someone that perfects me and helps me find life? How many believe you have one that paid the highest price? And he said, I created you in my image. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now follow me. Honor him. So when we worship God in this place, it's not because I need, you know, I don't come up here and be y'all's cheerleader up here and say, okay, I'm going to praise God. So y'all be a cheerleader. Watch Pastor Sam. No, get your eyes off me because I'm too busy just trying to honor him. I'm not listening to the rhythms. I'm not looking for the lights. I'm just here honoring him because I cannot believe that he owns me, paid the highest price for me. His autograph is on me. And I'll tell you, he says, Sam, you're prized. You're just prized. He says the same about you. Come on, how many believe it's time to honor the one that has honored us by dying for us? Amen. Oh, I know you love him a lot. Why don't you give him the best one that you can just get out of your... Come on, those of you at home, get the best honor of praise you can give for him. Come on, just if you can shout at home, shout at home. If you can raise your hand, raise your hand. Just begin to thank him and praise him and honor him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords.